Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. It is January 2nd, 2022. Happy New Year, everybody. Um, We got off to, uh, you know, I must say, I don't like to say this, but all day and all night last night, all I do is report the terror incidents that are happening on our roads and all throughout Judea and Samaria. It has just been really, really violent here these past few weeks. I was actually on a call um, a week ago with the head of the Yeshua Council. We were being interviewed by 15 media outlets throughout the world, Europe and, and China and Asia and South America, asking us what's going on here. It has been bad. It has been bad. And I spend a lot of my day writing down reports on all the rock-throwing incidents that are happening and all the damage. And it is... It is a bad time. There were two rockets launched um, from the Gaza over to Israel on Shabbat. Uh, that made world news. But every day there's something, and it's like, come on, you know, let's 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 go into the new year quietly and peacefully. Come on. Um, so that is not great. Um, but let let's hope that things will settle down and we will have. A peaceful year. That's what I'm hoping. Um, it's funny here in Israel, there is no big New Year's, at least out here in Judea and Samaria. There's no firecrackers. There's no Happy New Year. There's something in Israel they call it Sylvester. I remember before I was religious, they called the New Year January 31st Sylvester. And that was a big party night for me and for all singles who were not religious. But in the religious world, it's really, you really do feel like you're in a different country. A lot like the absence of Christmas. You have the absence of New Year's. And I think that's great, you know, and no pressure, no pressure. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I've told you, my kids don't even know the English, really, years, the English dates. They don't even know their own birthdays. It's kind of funny. They know their Hebrew birthdays. They don't really know their English birthdays. So that's kind of, you know, you really are in a foreign country when you move here. Um, we have a great guest today. She is a, I don't want to tell you too much. But she is, um, she's great. You'll, you'll, you'll enjoy it. It's going to be a great interview. We'll be right back to meet her after these messages. The return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel was prophesied in the Bible thousands of years ago and is coming true today. Shalom. Join me, Josh Wander, on Israel Unplugged. Listen in as we delve into the spiritual and physical aspects of the Jewish return to Zion. We'll discuss the biblically mandated, historic, and of course practical understandings of this incredible transition from exile to redemption. That's Israel Unplugged, every Monday on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. Joining us today is a woman I met recently. She is um, a reporter from uh, Latin America. 
Her name is Hannah Barish. She made Aliyah from Uruguay in 1979, okay, a long time ago. When she was 18 years old, she tells me it was pure Zionism. She um, went to college here. She got her bachelor's in international relations from the Hebrew University, joined the IDF, served in the IDF spokesman unit, was chosen as one of the outstanding soldiers. Anyo Matsmauch will tell us about that. And she works as a journalist with Spanish and Latin American outlets, print and radio. And that's how we met when I was being interviewed last week by those um, different media outlets. She followed up with me and did a beautiful piece about my organization, a little bit about me. She is the editor of Seminario Hebreo. She's going to explain that and pronounce it correctly, the Jewish weekly newspaper of Uruguay. And she's married with children here. She married an Australian who made Aliyah. And uh, she has children and grandchildren here, and she's made a whole life for herself. And I just loved talking to this woman. She had such a, such, I don't know, I don't know what to say, but wisdom, wisdom. And, and I love when people do come here, they learn on the ground. And that's exactly what Hannah did. She, she jumped up, left her life, and came to join us in Eretz Israel. And I welcome her to the show. Hannah, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Natalie, for such an introduction. Needless to say, now I don't have anything else to tell you, but... <laughs> oh, <laughs> please, you're going to fill it in. You're going <laughs> to fill it in. Um, you know, yes. we have such a heavy Anglo, North American, Canadian uh, guest list, and it's so nice to have someone else from around the world who also speaks English. You know, we always think that wherever we come from, you know, those are the only people who speak English, but South Americans, <laughs> you, you all, your English is great, and I'm, I'm glad to have you on. And I, and I really want you to speak to our audience because we have so many people who don't want to come because of this, don't want to come because of that. And today, it's a, such a different Israel than when you came back in 1979. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't even know if there were private telephones when you came. And I know there were only two, t- two stations on the TV. It was a different yeah. Israel. That's right, yes. Israel is totally different from the country I met when I came. In fact, I met Israel. You know, we always say that Jews feel they come home, even if that's, uh, you know, the the first time they, they came, I, it's either to visit or really to start a new life. Um, but um, I had visited Israel before I came in Aliyah, and I was sure I would come, and that uh, really turned into a reality because I was decided determined uh, to do it and uh, it's a very different country you know uh, i always say that i came as you said in the introduction because i shared that feeling with you for pure zionism but that doesn't mean that i thought israel was ideal it was my ideal as a jew wanting to live in the jewish home uh, that has nothing to do with my love for uruguay which is still here very deep in my heart but i wanted to be in a jewish home but I said Israel is not ideal. It has flaws. It has problems. It's not, you know, an, a country full only of angels with no mistakes and no things to to be meant, but to be repaired, let's say, to be, you know, made better. But has it has nothing to do. I was realistic, but I knew that as a Jew, I felt my ideal was the Jewish home. That's why I came, and I I never felt disappointed because I wanted... I, I knew in advance from the very beginning that it's my ideal, but of course it's a normal country with problems and with things that uh, we all together should try to repair. 
Okay. Very healthy outlook and very good words to say to people listening today. Um, you can't uh, transfer your life from one country to Israel. Uh, it's different. As, as Hannah said, you know, it is a country with problems. And, no you know, every country has problems, but these are different problems. These are maybe new kinds of problems and uncomfortable problems. And, you know, change is hard. And the older we get, the harder that becomes. Changes become more difficult. Um, you came at a very young age. You were 18. That's so right. you probably didn't see them as problems. You saw them as adventures. Well, the truth is that uh, I didn't have that feeling, you know, of the, let's say, the adrenaline to solve the big challenges I, I had. Of course, when it happens, you do feel it. But that was not uh, my motivation. Uh, of course, at the age of 18, and then I joined the army and, you know, different stages in, in the development of my life in Israel. Of course, there were many challenges. I It was very special to have, to, to know, to see, to feel that you can solve them. But the... Um, I didn't feel the, this um, issue of the adventure as the the engine, you know, to push me and try to be here. It was a result, okay. let's say, of the of life in Israel. Of course, it was unavoidable to have <laughs> to have this uh, strength and to feel that you have to to be inventive sometimes to to surmount all the obstacles that life just brings uh, about, you know, in in in, in daily routine. But um, it is indeed, and now I feel it especially as a journalist, of course, when the people ask me, how is it to be a journalist? Well, you know, it's never boring when you are in Israel. It's so full of adventures, not necessarily always good ones, but such a variety of subjects to to research, to report about. And I'm, um, I'm always interested in going a bit beyond the headlines. You know, for me, it's great, Natalie, to be here with you and your listeners, because this invitation is a result of the interview you gave me. We had a press conference, right, with you and with Igal Dilmoni, the head of Yesha, Moetzet Yesha. And then I understood that there's much more than you can share in a, you know, uh, an hour-long press conference. So that's why I contacted you separately. You shared with me a lot of things that were worthy uh, reporting. And here we are also with the other, let's say, the other side of the curtain, you are interviewing me. Right. So he's in Israel, this is endless, really. Uh, and I always have that feeling yes. as, a, as a reporter now, right. that's very special. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and it's very true in a lot of things. People read the news. I'll just give you an example. And then I want to get back into your, I, I want you to explain what pure Zionism is. I want to get to that, but I'll just give you a quick yes. example. When people read the news, and this is happening today, especially because of Corona and all the reports of Corona and all the different rules, and I see in my WhatsApp lists, people are asking all kinds of questions. You know, what's really going on? Can we come? Is it this? Can we eat out? Can we eat at McDonald's? All these different funny questions. Huh. And, you know, um, to live here, you, I, I guess it depends where you live. But I, I've told people, you know, you really don't feel it when you live in a small yeshuv like mine. They, I, I've told people the only th thing you feel here is you have to wear a mask inside, in the store. Now, when you read the news, it's horrible. It's frightening. It is yes. horrible. 
But when Instead you of natural, this, you know, this phenomenon that uh, in the news, uh, how do we say that uh, expression we know, no news, good news, like it sort of justifies uh, 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 an expression that justifies supposedly that only bad things are reported about. I think, you know, I always stress right? in, in in the Jewish Weekly, which I had, or I'm the editor of, um, I must say, first of all, it's very important for me that my father is the Honorary Bracha, Yosef Yerozolimsky. He founded the Jewish Weekly in Uruguay. I would say it was a unique combination as a, a private initiative, but for the sake of the community. And on, not on behalf, now, nobody nominated him, you know, to defend Israel, but because of his Zionist convictions, it was always, always really devoted to this ideal of showing the truth about Israel and about the Jewish world and all that. So when he passed away, my father, Zichon Libracha, I took over in order not to let all he had built, this, um, I, I mean, not uh, an empire of <laughs> in material terms, but I mean, all these, uh, these uh, challenge of... Uh, um, Having a Jewish weekly nowadays, it's not easy really to show the truth about Israel. I said it cannot be lost. So I took over when he passed away in uh, the end of yeah. July 2004. And um, anyway, I, I, I'm always uh, looking for good subjects to report about Israel. I can't neglect the problems which are here. But there's so many things to write about and to report and to show the truth about but when you, yes. you mention now, Natalie, this issue of the corona, with people, you know, is it down whether they can... Anyway, I think really life here is very... Um, we can see the energy and feel um, natural life despite the limitations. And now there are very, you know, many agree disagreements or, um, let's say, arguments, I'm sorry, about whether new restrictions should be formally imposed and the government will decide about it. But uh, I think that's not... Um, um, that's not a thing to take into consideration whether you decide to to come to live in Israel or not. It, this will pass, on, uh, and the world will regain, I hope, normalcy in Israel too. But here, I think you can feel life pushing forward all the time, uh, living um, with corona um, virus disease, uh, the pandemics, uh, at the same time. It's unavoidable. Right, right. And people don't see that because they only watch the news. And it's only people like you and me, real people living here, who can yes. tell them. And it's very important to go behind the scenes the way you went behind the scenes with me. When you have an official, not only an official one-hour news conference about the um, what we were talking about, the violence and the terror yeah. here, you, you don't mm-hmm. get like the, the real story. You asked me a very funny question. You asked me if we treat Arabs. And I was like, of course we treat Arabs. Arabs are most of our... Our car accidents, and you were like, "Oh, really?" You said, "No." The fact, Natalie, the uh, truth is that I wasn't surprised at all. You know, because <laughs> I, I, I know how to say uh, in Hebrew. We have this uh, this expression that "betochami anichai." I, I live within my people, so I know my people. We can have discrepancies, political, you know, but philosophical, you regarding Judaism, how to live it, uh, and uh, how to express the love for this land and all that. Okay, but we are the same people. So I, I knew, I wasn't right. surprised with your answers. And of course you treat Palestinians. But okay, you wait, should say, Kana, you we know, have to take I, a break. Connor, we're taking a break. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
Hi, I'm Steve Miller. And I'm Matt Zucker. Join us for Lighten Up, where we take a look at the week's current events in Israel and from around the Jewish world through a humorous lens. If you've been paying attention during these crazy times, you know that it's a challenge to parody life anymore. But join Steve and I as we give it the old college try. Not only is being happy an obligation, but life is just too short to take it all so seriously. So join me, Steve Miller, and me, Matt Zucker, for Lighten Up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Welcome back to Returning Home. We're continuing our talk with Hannah Barris from Uruguay, who made Aliyah in 1979. Those of you who are just joining us now, I met this woman as a journalist. She actually interviewed me uh, about a week ago when I was um, part of a, a worldwide interview on the on the terror, the uptick in terror and violence that's been going on here in Judea and Samaria. So we're going to continue. We're talking about Hannah, and we were just talking off um, off the air a little bit. And I wanted to explore this. Hannah came when she was 18, 1979, as she told us. And her reason was pure Zionism. Hannah, please let us know what that is and if it's still around. Well, <laughs> what a, a big question. First of all is, I think, love for the land of Israel, conviction that Israel is the Jewish home in a very natural way. Which, by the way, I think doesn't necessarily mean that it's suitable for every Jew in the world to live. I can understand those who say, you know, the style is different, or the let's say, you know, the circumstances I'm used to are not. I mean, people can say from wherever they come. I can understand people who say Israel is not for me. It's uh, legitimate. Okay. You but and I, think- I disagree. We've got to, I disagree with you 100 percent because Israel is the Jewish homeland. So, you know, they think it's not for them the way I think. No, I mean, not for them. Know. I think, I, I mean, if they don't feel, you know, they like the way of life, or, although it's <laughs> such a heterogeneous country here. But, I mean, I can understand people say, you know, I tried, um, or people well, in advance, you know, and say, okay, you know, the, the way of life, it's, it's different from what they are used to. But I, I think, of course, it, it is... Uh, let's say it, it is meant for the whole of the Jewish people. I have no doubts about that. I, I mean, on the personal level, I can understand those who say, okay, you know, it's not my choice. But I think it's interesting because Zionism, of course, for me, I, for me, it, it was clear it should be practical. I should, you know, give a real shape to my feeling for Israel um, and come here and make here my life. And I got married here. Uh, we have uh, three gorgeous children. We have two grandchildren. So, you know, and I served in the army. Life here is, you know, I I think it's precious that decision I made when I was uh, almost 18, and I came when I was 18. Um, but um, I can understand, you know, I can give you an example of my, my own father, Zichar uh, Libracha. He, I can say he struggled for Zionism, for defending Israel, all his life, although he came only when he was, you know, a very few months before he passed away, uh, so regrettably, because he was 
a tzaddik. He was really a, a unique person. Um, but I think that what he did for the sake of the land of Israel, of the state of Israel, defending its ideas, he tried to live in peace, to have secure borders, and, you know, showing that to the world, not only to, to Jews, of course, who can take it for granted, but to others, uh, I think that was really a fight, a struggle for the sake of Zionism, although he didn't really come to leave Israel for different reasons, you know. So, uh, but of, of course, course, it's, it's, of course. Yeah. yeah, there are there are Zionists all over the world. Yes, who yes, yes. who are activists and, and outspoken and sure, you know, and and thank God for them. Um, yes, they they we need. I mean, we. <laughs> They're important. There is a department in the government. Uh, Very, what is it? Mm-hmm. Ministry of of uh, of um, wow. What's it called? Ministry of Aliyah? No, Ministry of Absorption. Ministry of Diaspora Affairs. You mean? Diaspora. Correct. No, they are both it. Diaspora Affairs and also Aliyah and immigra- immigration and absorption. Of course. I'm not saying it's I, not important. I'm saying I hate that people use Israel as a last resort. Hmm. Yes, and I, um, do. I don't know if I would say I hate them. I, I understand what you're saying, Natalie. No, 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 I, I can them. disagree. Yeah, I, I, I hate that that exists. That that exactly what you said. There are people who would rather live in Miami. It's more comfortable for them to live in Oklahoma. It's nicer for them to live in France. Well, no kidding. You know, no mm-hmm. kidding. If you've been there for three generations and you have a family business and of you course. know everybody in town, of course. I was more comfortable in Delaware. Everybody knew my family. I knew everybody. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, it can't last forever. The Jews never last anywhere forever outside of Israel. It's always a bad ending to the story. Mm-hmm. You have to look forward. You looked forward. I looked forward. It's a leap. It is uncomfortable. It is a change, you know. But I, I really believe that, you know, I made the right decision. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Yes, I'm sure. I have no doubt I made the right decision, parallelly to my love for Uruguay, as I said, which I feel very deep in my heart until now. You know, people there in Uruguay who read the newspaper, because we have here the Semanario Hebreo, by the way, you pronounced it uh, correctly, <laughs> the introduction. Um, Semanario Hebreo means the Hebrew uh, weekly, yes, or the Jewish weekly. Um, when, and it's a, it has a print edition, 24 page a week, every week, and, and 50 weeks uh, a year. And since in the last three years, I have also a digital, uh, you know, website. Uh, people who read either the website or the printed edition every Friday, they ask me, but you are here or there? Because it, it feels like you are both. Um, for me, that's a compliment because I come to this community here as well from here, you know, interviewing uh, yeah. and reporting. And, and I feel like, um, um, you know, two worlds in my heart, and that's, uh, that, that's very good. Anyway, I, I wanted to share with, with you and the, the listeners a feeling. I, uh, we spoke about Zionism. And I think one, I th- maybe one of the best explanations why Israel is this feeling of the Jewish public space. You can feel Hanukkah in the street. You can feel when you have, you know, the, the Yamim Noraim. And I'm not a religious person at all, conservative always. Only, I mean, traditionalist. Uh, but you feel the Jewish life in the street in a very natural way. So I think that's very unique. That's very special. And um, we spoke about journalism and the truth about Israel. 
uh, another term that has, well, it is related to Zionism, I think, showing the truth about Israel. Um, I use very often this expression of the shared public domain in Israel, where Jews and Arabs, with all the discrepancies and problems and conflicts yet to be solved, uh, share, the, the, you know, the same, uh, of course, the, the transport and so obvious uh, thing that's a bit uh, even uh, um, dumb to, to mention it, but uh, uh, outside Israel, not everybody takes it for granted. You know, share the, the daily um, uh, tools that uh, life gives to its citizens in Israel uh, it's in such a natural way. And the hospitals, yeah, you, you see that reality and um, yeah. outside Israel, yes. not Everybody believes it or knows it. Uh-huh. I see what you're saying. You're saying that we know that we live peacefully with the, our Arab neighbors because we, we see it every day, the buses, the hospitals, the roads, the stores, the malls, everywhere. Mm-hmm. But outside of Israel, they don't think so. They don't, they don't see it that way. They don't, they don't, no, they what don't think I think it should be, it should be um, made clear. Of course, it's not that despite that the whole world reports about conflict, it's a lie, there's no conflict and everything's great here. No, of course there is a conflict and there are tensions and there are problems yet to be solved. And I think also there are mistakes by our side as well. But at the same time, when, you know, um, radical lines don't impose themselves, yes, in daily life there is normalcy and there is a peaceful uh, shared coexistence, let's say. Uh, you know, I always look for those stories because I want to yeah. show without neglecting the problems, to show also the very, so many good things that they are. I have so many stories uh, that show the, the, the possibility, really, the, the normalcy in which those stories develop. Of Arabs, That's and you know, I interviewed a few weeks ago, I interviewed a unique surgeon, a woman, a Muslim Arab woman, uh, originally from the north. She lives in Tel Aviv for many years already. Dr. Marianne Khatib, she's the only what is called onco-plastic surgeon in Israel. Uh, she's um, a breast surgeon, but also has, a, I mean, there is both, I know it because I had breast cancer, <laughs> and uh, um, luckily I, I'm cured already, but uh, I know this, you know the details. When you have a breast operation because of tumors, you have on one hand the um, breast surgeon, and separately, or the same operation, at the end comes the plastic surgeon to, you know, to mend what has been taken out. Uh, and she, this uh, surgeon, Dr. Marian Khatib, she does both at the same time. I think she's the only one in Israel. And you should listen to her, you know, the way she loves the uh, life in Tel Aviv. Uh, she, that, that's the only option she, she knows, family growing up in Tel Aviv, because she moved there because of her studies. And the normalcy with which... She, you know, she tells her story. And there are so many stories like that, without forgetting their problems as well. But I think, right. I, I, as a journalist, I want to put light on so many good stories because they are also part of the truth, not only the bad headlines about the problems. Right. You're, you're absolutely right. And we, living here, we, we forget those. And that's why I was so surprised and I was laughing when you asked me, you know, do we do we help the Arabs? And I was like, of course we help the Arabs. Mm-hmm. Like, we help anybody who needs help. And, and there are Arab drivers just like there are Jewish drivers. And there are Arab passengers just like there are Jewish passengers. Um, oh, just like you're saying, it, we, we take it for granted, I guess, because we live here. And sometimes when I see people outside of Israel, they ask me questions which are very funny to me. You know, like, um, 
when your neighbors, uh, when you were when, when there was snow, did you help your neighbors? Now we live in a in a area where the Arabs are hostile. So no, we don't help each other that way. We don't go into their village, but sure, on the road we help each other. Of course, you know we we're, we ride the buses together. The bus drivers are Arab. I mean, it's just, it just seems so natural to me. Like why would you ask such a silly question? But you're right. People don't know, and it does need to be said, and it does need to be written. Those stories you're telling need to be told. All right, stay with us. We are at the break again, and we'll finish up when we come back after these messages. Are you tired of political correctness and the fear that you might offend someone? I'm not afraid to offend you. Wow, look who's talking tough. One has to be tough to keep sane today. Hi, I'm Alan Skorsky. And I'm Bela Seabrow. And join us every Wednesday for The Definitive Wrap as we interview the most sought-after guests and expose progressive trends that masquerade as enlightenment but actually destroy our freedoms. We are the No Wolf Zone, so buckle up for this exciting show. Buckling up, but I'm driving. (laughs) Sure, you can drive, but I'm the navigator. Tune in for the no-nonsense, the definitive rap show, every Wednesday on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. We are still speaking with Hannah Barris from Uruguay, who moved to Israel in 1979. And we've been talking a little bit about daily life here, um, how she strives to show this in her work as a reporter, um, the life in Israel, how there is coexistence between Arabs and Jews. And I absolutely agree with her. It's, it's true. It really is true. Um, and you also have the you also have the difficulties. Okay, they exist as well. That's just you know I'm out there. I live here in Yudan Shimon, and it's difficult out here. So you you have both. Um, I want to ask Hannah to go back a little bit and and give us a little bit an overview of her life. She moved here in 1979 as a single 18 year old woman, and she's since married. I want to know Hannah. How did you meet your husband? Is there a story there? Well, yeah, I didn't tell you, Natalie, that I worked several years in, in Call Israel, the public Israeli radio in the Spanish department. My husband, Danny, who's, who was born in Australia, but his parents made Aliyah when he was a uh, seven-month-old baby, um, he worked in the Bitajon, you know, in security. As many students, he's a, a dentist. Um, many students in the university work in security in, in the radio in different places because you can you can study while you know are not in patrol you can maneuver sitting and and uh, reading some of your you know stuff for the for the university mm-hmm. anyway we met there he's convinced until now that I started with him I said it was the other way around anyway I'm very happy mm-hmm. we started with each other because we you know in a few weeks we'll turn. Uh, 30, I think it will be 34 years of uh, marriage, very good ones. I like life in Israel with the discrepancy sometimes as well, with the marvelous result of uh, three kids uh, and two grandchildren. 
one of our you know, daughter is uh, getting married in May. Uh, we, you know, we have really having a good life. And living now in Modin, we lived... I, since I made Aliyah, I was in Jerusalem. When I was in the army, I moved to Tel Aviv because I was in the IDF uh, spokesman unit, and the base uh, was in was in the middle of Tel Aviv, so I moved to Givatayim. But two weeks after I was released, I came back to Jerusalem. But uh, a year and a half ago, we moved to Modin, and I, I feel a bit, you know, my heart... Uh, um, aches a bit when I go to Jerusalem of knowing that's not my home anymore, but uh, I go every week to Jerusalem and we're very, very satisfied with the life in Modin. Okay, so tell us a little bit how you developed into this uh, career um, as a journalist. You say you started actually in the Army. Can you, can you like uh, get a little more specific? No. No, regarding the army, I can say that when I get, uh, you know, not angry, but, uh, you know, something bothers me regarding the lack of, uh, let's say, um, uh, promptness in the reactions by the IDF spokesman when I need something as a journalist, uh, I say, no, now I, now I can understand when I served in the IDF spokesman why the journalists were mad at us sometimes because the, the yeah. answers they require. Because, of course, the idea of spokesman always says that they have to be to give very, you know, uh, confirmed and very detailed and um, uh, truthful answers. They, can't know, they can't just, you know, invent something in order to be quick in their reaction. That's good, but that's also a problem in nowadays world. Anyway, um, that was an aspect of, of course, of uh, related to journalism, but on the other side, let's say, of the of the of the curtain of the of the shelves. Um, I'm I really was I, I can say I grew up with journalism because of my father, Zihar Libracha. Mm-hmm. He founded right. the Semanario Hebreo, as I told you. He had also a um, daily program in the radio, which has started two years before the weekly. Uh, it was uh, called Voz de Sion in Uruguay, which means the voice, the voice of Sion, uh, of Zion in Uruguay. And uh, oh. you know, he was so dedicated and he loved so much what he did. So I really grew up with that, with the love for, for this profession. I didn't study journalism. I studied international relations. But anyway, I feel really um, enthusiasm about what I do in, in my blood, you know, it, it, never, it never happens that I get up and I say to myself, oh, uh, what a nuisance, I have to sit and finish that article, I have to interview some. No, it's always, my, my brother always tells me, you are enthusiastic about what you do as, you, as if you had started a day ago. And I think that's a blessing. And, uh, you know, gradually, it yes, really it is, is. really, uh, I love what I do. And uh, gradually I took many correspondences from radio in Spain, different uh, outlets, you know, dailies in, in Latin America, the Semanario Obreo, which I've been stressing because really that takes most of my time. Um, that since my father uh, unfortunately passed away. But beyond, besides that, I'm the correspondent of the biggest daily in, in Colombia, which is called El Tiempo, which is also one of the most important outlets in Latin America. I'm correspondent of a um, daily in Mexico, a radio station in Spain, a radio station in Mexico. I have, I'm a columnist in something which I can say is a, somehow parallel of Ynet in the Uruguay Montevideo Portal. 
uh, interviewing about Israel and also about Uruguayan affairs. And I see my work is respected, so that's that's uh, another blessing. <laughs> well, that's really wonderful. That's very impressive. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the Jewish community in Uruguay? First of all, it's a very, very Zionist uh, community. We spoke uh, earlier, yes, about the uh, true Zionism not only being fulfilled, you know, in the ground. I think it's a true Zionist sentiment, feeling a very deep feeling that characterizes the Jewish community in Uruguay. Even um, if that includes, of course, most of people who've never thought of coming to live in Israel, but their life is very highly, you know, um, linked to Israel, connected to Israel. I think the, um, I can't imagine, uh, I, I don't remember by heart, of course, but I, I think I can dare say that the majority of the Jewish families in the community in Uruguay have somebody of their family, some relative, mainly children, living in Israel. The connection, is the bond is very, really very, very strong. It has multiple institutions, a very solidarity, very, you know, and, um, an attitude of solidarity within the community and also um, to the Uruguayan civil society, not only the Jewish community, in different aspects. Um, I think it's a very rich, from the human point of view, um, community, of course, smaller than it used to be when I was in high school. I remember we always said we always said we are forty thousand Jews. Um, we can't know it accurately, but of course there are less uh, nowadays. Um, mm. There used to be more Jewish school schools than there are now. But um, you feel when you know when people from Israel go to Uruguay in different frameworks either official emissaries of the Jewish agency or, you know, different positions or sometimes artists or whatever, they feel, they always say, what an active, what a, a warm community. They feel the love right. for Israel. And that, I think, that's a, um, a very important characteristic of the Jewish community, uh, of which I still feel a part, although I'm Israel for always, <laughs> for already 42 years. Yeah, I I, uh, I I know what you mean. I um, moved to Israel when I was 21, and I lived in a kibbutz, and my roommates were from Brazil. And um, there were a few people from Brazil. And they, I know, it's not Uruguay, but it is South America, yeah? They were yeah. the warmest people and so Zionistic. And they all, you could tell, like, grew up together, and, and they, they um, I was, I was, I loved, I was very impressed with them. And even at Hebrew University, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of South Americans. Uh, my best friend married a, a boy from Chile, and um, mm-hmm. I had a boyfriend from Mexico. I think there were just a lot of young people with a lot of energy, very, very strong Zionists. I don't think they moved here, though. I don't think they made Aliyah. They, they come for their year, and they leave, just like the Americans do. And it's unfortunate, because it is such a strong community there. They, they all have their Jewish schools, and I think more so than even in America. You know, America has like I think six million Jews and you know not that many of them are religious or Zionistic they just blend in but down there in, in South America they're Zionistic they they're but really you know what committed. Natalie you are, you are right that many many Jew um, I, I mean youth Jewish youth come here for a year what they, they are they call it Shnat what used to be Mahole Madrichim 
Uh, they come really, uh, not all of them make Aliyah, but many make Aliyah. In Uruguay, the Jewish community, we were always proud of the fact uh, of here, I mean, the Jewish community, the Uruguayan Jewish community here, always was proud of something that I cannot sustain in figures, detailed figures that I can give you. But we always said that it's right, it's correct that there are more Argentinian Jews in absolute figures, but in proportion to the size of the community, Uruguay is the country from which the most, the majority of the Aliyah came, you know, relatively to, I mean, to the uh, size of the community. I think that mm-hmm. might be true because, uh, of course, Uruguay is, uh, uh, is uh, smaller, the Jewish community is smaller, but there are many, many people who came really for Zionism. You know, many kibbutzim founded by Uruguayan and Argentinian, or at least, you know, strengthened, um, really thoroughly by um, Uruguayan and Argentinian Olim. And, you know, in the Semanario Hebreo, I have um, um, a series of, uh, of chapters of interviews about, Ur- I call it Uruguayan lives in Israel. But, you know, different Uruguayans, not necessarily in official positions of anything, but working, living in Israel in different things. You know, I interview them, what they do. And... Uh, Ah, I think you got cut off. All right, no, that is okay, it. We are no, out of time. Uh, many things. Oh, Kana, we lost you and we're out of time. Thank you so much. Thank and, you um, for this opportunity. No, best of luck. I, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for the invitation. It was a privilege. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel. Plus, little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.